Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Yes, we will. That's what this program is about. Thank you, patriots and Christians from across the country and around the world for joining us for Praying for America. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here of Priests for Life and greetings from our whole Priests for Life team. I'm going to have an action item for you right at the top of tonight's program. We have got to call Congress again. You know what's been going on there, and I'm going to give you a very simple thing to demand, to request, to ask for. You know, they work for us, right? So I want to give you some, uh, some, uh, uh, something to say to them. And then I'm going to go through a wide range of things about what's been happening in the political news. Not that you haven't heard it before, but again, we come on this program to look at these things in the light of the Word of God and pray over these happenings, pray over them and help the Word of God, have the Word of God help us interpret these things from the mind of God, from the vantage point of God, because after all, we are his sons and daughters. We are disciples of the one master, the one teacher, the one Lord, whose name is Jesus Christ. So in his name, let's go into his word now. We'll pray, and I'll give you that action item, and then we'll go through a whole bunch of other things that have been going on here. Um, Okay, Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, we hear these words of Jesus. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, by your words you will be condemned. Let us pray. Father, we are under your judgment as individuals and as a nation. We are in a battle, and it is a battle between good and evil. The political battles, Lord, that we face are simply a manifestation of deeper spiritual battles. That's the moment we are in in America. And Lord God, we know what side we are on. We ask you, may we be always good trees that bear good fruit. And may we have the wisdom to recognize the bad trees by the bad fruit that they bear and not have anything to do with them, but rather to stand against them in testimony to stand against them in witness. Lord, there is division in our nation, but we are not so concerned about the fact that there is division. There will always be division. What we are concerned about, Lord God, what we beg of you, what we worry about every day, 
is that we remain on the right side of that division. That indeed is our calling. That indeed is our concern. That is our priority. That is the task about which we are to set and busy ourselves, not erasing all distinctions, erasing all division, bringing people together in some kind of false unity. Lord God, we want to be on the right side of the division. And when that division is between a life and death, when it is between truth and falsehood, when it is between grace and sin, not only do we want to be on the right side of that division, Lord God, but we want that division to grow deeper and stronger and we want to push away the other side of that, of that division. We don't want any partnership with darkness. How can there be fellowship? Your apostle asked, between light and darkness, how can one partake from the table of the Lord and the table of demons? It is not possible. Lord God, if we choose good and celebrate good and proclaim what is good, then we must denounce what is evil, separate from what is evil. We must oppose what is evil because if we do not oppose what is evil Lord God then we are not embracing what is good if we are not denouncing evil then we are not proclaiming goodness if we are not denouncing falsehood Lord God then we are not speaking truth and if we are not condemning vice then we are not living virtue bless us at this moment in the United States of America bless us around the world that we may more clearly embrace and proclaim goodness and truth for the good of our families, our churches, and our nation. We pray in the name of the only Lord and the only Savior, the one who declared that he is the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, all right, I have an action item for you, friends, and this is something I want to ask you to do at the earliest possible convenience. Call your member of Congress, of the House of Representatives. Call your member of the House of Representatives with one simple request. We want a conservative Speaker of the House. That's it. Now, we know the, the, the things that have gone on there recently. I'm not going to give a detailed commentary on what has gone on. I'm going to leave that to others. I just want to make two observations. This is our moment now. The Speaker's chair is vacant, and whether you think that was a prudent move or not isn't what I'm addressing now. What I'm addressing is, obviously, that vacancy needs to be filled. It will get filled. We want to make sure that this is a moment where we can move it further down the road of being stronger and being a conservative speaker. And, 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 and here's the thing, that the, 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 the vote that takes place on this in the House, this is not on some kind of secret, behind-the-curtain you know, deal. This is, the, this is out in the open. This is out in the public. And they work for us, right? They work for you. Your representative in Congress serves at your good pleasure. Those who govern us govern with the consent of the governed. That's it. So call them. 202-224-3121. That's the capital switchboard. Commit that to memory, by the way, because 
There's a lot of things we have to uh, call them about at different times. 202-224-3121. Call your member of Congress. Ask for your, your representative. Just tell them where you, you should know the name of your representative, of course, but just tell them where you live. I want to talk to my representative's office. And whoever you get on the phone, just say, I am so-and-so. Identify yourself. Here's where I live. I'm one of your constituents. I want a conservative Speaker of the House. That's it. That's the message. Because you know that they're going to be voting on somebody. Okay? And you want a conservative Speaker of the House. That's it. That's the message. Um, Now's the time to make our voices heard. Because you know what that tells them? It tells them you're paying attention. You're paying attention to what's going on here. And, you know, there's a lot of conflicting motives. There's a lot of confusion. People are saying a whole lot of different things. I'm not going to get into so many of the details. But here's the other point I want to make. Let's not allow people to jump too quickly to the assertion that, oh my goodness, this is all chaos and dysfunction. Now, this is something that hasn't happened in over a hundred years. Is that a sign that we've descended into unprecedented dysfunction? Or is that a sign that the muscles of our representative constitutional republic Maybe certain muscles that have been asleep are waking up again. Notice what I'm saying. I'm not entering into here into any kind of assessment or judgment of any person or their motives in this whole thing that has unfolded, which is still very confusing to a lot of people. Notice what I'm saying. It's, 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 it's like with the original election of McCarthy as Speaker back in January, you know, 15 rounds of votes, right? And people said, oh, this is dysfunction, this is dysfunction. Wait a second. Do the members of Congress, or do they not, have the right to vote for whom they want? Do they or do they not have the right to argue with each other about who would best advance the interests of the American people in the conservative movement? If so, then who are we to predetermine how long that debate should last or how many votes it should take to get to the right choice? And so, again, now... Maybe some muscles that have been asleep need to wake, awaken again. Because if it's been over 100 years since the, the chair, the speaker's chair was vacated, was it because at every hour of all those 100 years, the best person for the job was sitting in that chair? You see what I'm saying? Maybe it's about time that our representatives in Congress use the rights that they have. Now, again, we may disagree. People may disagree. That's fine. Uh, Whether it was the right move or not, I'm not entering into that. I'm just saying that simply because something is a little bit disruptive, chaotic, or hasn't happened in a century, doesn't mean it's automatically a bad thing. You know, there's a lot of things that haven't happened in a long time that are provided for in the rules of the Congress or in the provisions of the Constitution. Maybe it's about time that some of those powers do get exercised. Some of those rights do get utilized, right? I mean, we're in an unprecedented moment in our country. You know, for a very long time, our our spending in government has been governed by these continuing resolutions and these omnibus packages and, and therefore, these members of Congress can slip into that funding, you know, whatever in the world they want to fund, and hardly anybody notices it. But maybe if we go line by line, item by item, you know, bill by bill, so to speak, 
price tag by price tag, how much of our taxpayer dollars are we f using to fund A or B or C, especially when we're at a moment that so many of the systems of government and the agencies that are funded by our money are dysfunctional. You know when they're dysfunctional? When they're arresting a former president and a political opponent. That's when they're dysfunctional. Maybe certain things, maybe here, and I'm thinking like DOJ, need to have a somewhat... Uh, drastically reduced funding. Why, why do we fund this, this garbage? If it's garbage, which it is, well then, Congress has the power of the purse. That's a pretty powerful lever to say, look, if we can't persuade these people to do the right thing, let's just stop paying them. All right, call your member of Congress, 202-224-3121, and tell them, we want a conservative speaker. Let them hear that message from you. You don't have, you don't have to have a name that you're going to give them. Just have them battle it out. They know the difference between conservative and, well, left-wing lunatic. There are too many of them. Secondly, secondly, this stuff going on with President Trump, I talked to you about it already. So many other commentators have been pointing out. Again, you know the talking point to use with your friends, your relatives, your neighbors. Nobody was defrauded by President Trump. Oh, yeah, you know, oh, he overvalued the, overestimated the value of his property. Yeah, to whose detriment? Did the banks complain? No, they got repaid in full. By the way, they enter into a loan agreement. They have a responsibility, too. Responsibility is not just on the Trump side of the equation. They have a responsibility, too, to make sure that this is a, a loan that makes some sense. Let them exercise some discretion. But there was no question. And they didn't complain. Was anybody defrauded uh, uh, of so much as a dime? No. <laughs> Who's the victim here? So, right? So we said that already. Okay. Let's get a little deeper here. I have told you on this program for years that what the anti-Trump crowd in this country is trying to do Remember when he was in office and all these, these, these coups were launched against him to try to get him out of office? I said, and then what happened after he did leave office? I said the anti-Trumpers don't just want him out of office. They don't just want him out of the White House. What did I tell you? They want him out of the hearts and minds of the American people. They wanted the memory of him and his great accomplishments and his fighting spirit and the lessons that he taught us as a party and as a country to be forgotten. We're going to make sure they're not forgotten. We're going to make sure those accomplishments are front and center. Now they have him sitting in a courtroom. My goodness, sitting in a courtroom for what? Having chased the, 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 the destructive gangs out of our country? Or are we going to go through the whole litany? having destroyed ISIS and, and having uh, uh, killed the America's greatest terrorist enemies. What are we going to bring him into court for? Uh, the increased family wages, the record low unemployment. Let's go on and on through the litany. We'll be here all night. Of the accomplishments of President Trump that blessed this country, the man should be honored. Not dragged in front of a courtroom. Honored. For the different, oh, the accomplishment, the historic, read the 51 pages of small print. Prolifepresident.com, prolifepresident.com. My goodness. So, here's the point I'm getting to. 
In fact, I want to read the words of my, my friend and colleague Gary Bauer. Like a communist regime, they, okay, Letitia James and company in New York, what a disgrace of an individual. They want to remove any evidence that he ever existed. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? It goes right along with what I've been saying to you. They don't want a single bill. See, they're coming after the Trump enterprise, right? The businesses. They don't want a single building in New York to bear the Trump name. See, now this all makes sense in this in this. They know there's no victim. They think they're the victim. Oh, it's just too much Trump. Oh, he's a threat to us. They have Trump derangement syndrome. So they see themselves as the victim. They need to be vindicated by getting, a, getting out of their sight. Any, they don't want to see the, the name Trump on a building. They want Donald Trump dead or sleeping on a sidewalk great with all the other homeless they created. This is the sickness in their heads. And that's what we're seeing on full display here. That's what we're seeing on full display, and that's why we have to call it out and oppose it with every fiber of our being. Not have any evidence that he ever existed. See how this goes along with something that explains all the anti-Trump activity of all these years. Erase his accomplishments and his very existence. Why? Because we want to erase the lesson that he taught, that there's a deep state, that there are coordinated enemies of America with their hands on the levers of power in America, and that they must be exposed and defeated, including their fake news media allies. And he taught us how to fight against them. This is why they're so threatened. Their agenda has been stopped in its tracks. Just the opposite of what would have happened if Hillary Clinton had gotten in in 2016. This is why it's not enough for them that he's out of office. They had to have an impeachment of him after he left office because this is the agenda. Erasing, total canceling. And that's why it's our agenda to shout from the rooftops the lessons he's taught us and the accomplishments he has left us and that he will build on with a second term in office. Letitia James, I want to say something about this disgrace of a woman. She's a Soros-funded Democrat attorney general. I, you know, by the way, I can't find the words negative enough, disgraceful enough. I, can't, I, I don't know the words. I know a number of different languages. I don't think in any one of them there's any word that comes close enough to expressing the kind of contempt the kind of disgrace that this woman represents. Soros provided funding for her campaign. James also received funding from Soros' daughter-in-law. This is, I'm reading, by the way, from a, 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 a truth post from President Trump. Letitia James made clear that, quote, getting Trump was the motivating force behind her campaign for attorney general. Oh, oh, so that's, so that's the job description of an attorney general, huh? This whole case should be dismissed just on that. You're, I mean, could, it, could you make it any more clear that this is a politically motivated uh, attack? How can you make it more clear than that you yourself, shameful disgrace that you are, ran on that as a platform? Why should this thing not be completely thrown out? 
or anything that results from it be held completely in contempt. By whom? By you and me, the American people. We hold it completely in a contempt. We give it absolutely no regard. Any kind of decision that comes out, out of this, no regard, it's valueless, because look at where it originated. A 2018 video, James states the disgrace that she is. I'm running for attorney general because I will never be afraid to challenge this illegitimate president when our fundamental rights are at stake. You're deranged, James. You're deranged. There's no illegitimacy here and there's no fundamental rights being threatened by him. They're being threatened by you. The woman is a disgrace. Letitia James announced as Attorney General, she looked forward to going into the office of Attorney General every day suing President Trump and then going home. What the kind of deranged lunatic goes into one of these? What a disgrace to the office of Attorney General, right? And she goes on and on and on. Look at this during her 2018 sorry excuse for a campaign. She vowed, as the next Attorney General of New York, I will be a voice for the powerless and take on President Trump. You want to be a voice for the powerless? You support the man. His whole administration was about giving power to the powerless. Raising up countless people off of food stamps, off of unemployment lines, out of poverty, out of burdensome regulations on their, but we're crushing their businesses. Helping the powerless. How about the unborn that he ended up protecting in unprecedented ways? Talk about raising up the powerless. They're the most powerless of all. This was a presidency that raised up the powerless. And in a second term, you will see more and more powerless people raised up. You got it all upside down, Letitia James. And for anybody else within the sound of my voice who's an anti-Trumper, you have got it upside down too. Completely inside out. It's, it's, a, it's an embarrassment how some people miss great leadership when it's staring them in the face. It's an embarrassment. And boy, are they going to be embarrassed in the, in the light of history when history gives its accolades to this president and his administration. It goes on and on, but, but uh, I, Letitia James tweeted, here's what real Donald Trump needs to know. I've got my eyes on Trump Tower. Why don't you put your eyes on the job description of attorney general instead of this, this ridiculous personal vendetta crap? You should be out of office immediately. You should be the one in jail, for goodness sake. What a disgrace. All right, speaking of President Trump's strength, let me give you a little bit of additional polling that's come out. Morning consult. He's still trouncing the GOP field, isn't he? At 61%, this is this week, up three points. Up three points, continues to go up and up. How much farther is it going to go up? Up three points since the second GOP debate, 48 per po- points ahead of his closest competitor, Governor DeSantis, who's a great governor. I live in Florida myself. Voted for him twice. 
He's at 13%. No other candidate received double-digit support. And some people are asking me, well, why am I looking beyond the primaries? Why, is, why are people like Newt Gingrich saying, we gotta, it's time to look beyond the primaries now? We need to muster every ounce of energy, every moment of time, every penny of, of money at defeating the Democrats and making sure Biden doesn't get in again or anybody on his side of the aisle. That's got to be our focus. As far as I'm concerned, this primary is, is, is decided. Now, I'm, again, I'm not saying anybody, anybody doesn't have the right to support whom they want, but I think it would be prudent to realize these are unprecedented, unprecedented leads and gaps. All right, Morning Consult poll also finds in a Trump-Biden matchup tied at 43%, which of course means that Trump is ahead when you look at how polling tends to favor the Democrats. And uh, when you you do the matchup of Biden with DeSantis, this recent Morning Consult poll finds um, Biden leading DeSantis 42 to 39 so, you know, again, your, your friends, your neighbors talk to you about, oh, well, I'm not sure if Trump can win in the general election or he's not the best one to beat Biden. Well, the polls say differently. They say differently. And then a new poll from Echelon Insights finds Trump leading Biden 46 to 43. And then you have the RFK factor. We talked a little bit about this the other day. In an RFK jumping in as an independent, which apparently is going to happen, it's Trump 40, Biden 36, and Kennedy RFK 14%. So in other words, consistent with what I told you the other day as a result of what Dick Morris was saying, contrary to what some others are saying, RFK ends up drawing more votes from uh, Biden than from Trump. This latest Echelon Insights poll shows exactly that. All right. As you know, I mean, there's going to be a million polls. We'll keep uh, all, we'll all keep an eye on them, and uh, forward we go from there. There's a couple of other things I want to bring to your attention, then we're going to pray over all this. The question of age, obviously, is a question that is coming up more and more these days in American politics than ever before whether you're talking about Dianne Feinstein, who just passed away as a 90-year-old senator, the, the health, apparent health challenges of Mitch McConnell, uh, freezing up in his public remarks, um, and, of course, Biden uh, and his obvious incompetence. And some people saying, hey, President Trump isn't that far behind him in age. This is why President Trump says, and, and, and I come to the same conclusion, that it's not simply the question of age. It's the question of competence. Some people age well. Some people don't age well. Some people age healthy and vigorous. Other people decline pretty early on. And, 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 you know, President Trump uses the example of some of his friends who are CEOs and who are, you know, 90 or above, and are sharp as a tack and energetic as, as, a, as a 40-year-old. I know a man like this, too. We recently honored him for his 90th birthday. Some of you will recognize his name because he's one of the founders of the conservative movement in America. He was there at the very outset of it, and he's still there today in the arena, not retired, not sitting on the sidelines, but he just turned 90 years old, and his name is Richard Vigory. 
You familiar with him? Richard Vigory heads up a company called American Target Advertising. He has 20 clients. I'm one of those 20 clients. Uh, we at Priests for Life utilize his services for prospecting, for doing mailing to people who might be interested in our work but might not know too much about it yet. He recently wrote a, 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 a thank you letter to all those who honored him for his 90th birthday. I want to read a little bit of it and give you a sense of this man. Look him up. But, the, but to, make, to, to put an accent on the point here, that it's not simply about age. We have to be careful. We say, oh, people shouldn't be you know, president simply because of a number of how old they are. No, no, you've got to look at the person. How sharp are they? How healthy are they? How vigorous are they? How are they holding up? in the, in the uh, midst of their current responsibilities. Let me just read some of this. This past weekend, Richard Vigory, 90 years old, says, I was joined by 400 of my family and friends to help celebrate my 90th birthday. I've been blessed to have good health, and I'm able to focus slash work on saving America and Western civilization 12 to 13 hours a day, five and a half days a week. And I enjoy most all of that time. I hate to go to bed at night. What a, what a contrast that is with Joe Biden. I hate to go to bed at night. Remember Biden? I don't know about you, but I've got to go to bed. Here's Richard Vigory. I hate to go to bed at night. I can't wait to get up in the morning and charge hell with a bucket of water. I enjoy my position as chairman of American Target Advertising, ATA, as well as working with many national conservative leaders as we strategize to save America and Western civilization. ATA has 85 team members and 20 clients. We're planning to have 40 clients and 130 team members by this time next year as we take our company to the front lines of, listen what he calls it, the spiritual civil war. That's what it is. It's a spiritual civil war that we are in. He says, often I'm asked, what's my secret to being so active and healthy at 90? I've recently updated a book on this subject that I wrote when I was 80. How Conservatives Can Outlive Liberals is the name of the book. 61 years of marriage, he says, look, I focus on strong faith in God. I study nutrition and wellness and practice good health habits. And I have a strong vision and passion to know and do God's will for my life. Here's a final, final couple of paragraphs here. Some of you have heard me say before, my role model is Moses. In Deuteronomy 34, 7, we read, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural forces abated. Moses lived his life in three 40-year compartments. First 40 years in the house of Pharaoh, second 40 years in the wilderness with his family. And when he turned 80 is when he began to lead the Israelites. 99% of what we know about Moses is after he turned 80. So I tell my liberal friends like Roger Craver to look out, Vigory is just getting started. I'm as convinced as I am standing here talking to you that I've got a bigger front than a back which means whatever I've accomplished in the past is going to be dwarfed by what I do in the future. How's that for the mindset of a 90-year-old man? I think that's the mindset of President Trump, too. The power of positive thinking, spiritually rooted in faith. And President Trump is, is cut from the same cloth. Thinking big, 
thinking ahead, not letting age deter you, and what a contrast all of this is to the broken down man in the White House right now. My goodness, my goodness. Well, look, just one other thing I want to touch on. Uh, as you know, I deal full-time on the issue of abortion. And by the way, I, I, the vast majority of our audience here is pro-life, and I thank you for that. And if you want to know more about what I do, uh, endabortion.us is our website. And, you know, ending abortion is part of making America great again. But in California, there was an effort, and I'm afraid we're going to see some of these efforts pop up uh, here and there in the current cycle. There was an effort at the GOP, uh, Republican Party Convention, uh, recently to take out the pro-life platform from the plank from the platform, as well as uh, opposition to same-sex marriage. And I want to report to you the good news that that effort was swiftly shut down. They were not going to change the commitment of the party to protecting innocent human life. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a picture here in this article about this of someone holding a sign saying, life is not negotiable. And, 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 and that's the principle here, right? I mean, life is not negotiable. It's life. You want your life to be protected in Mississippi, but not in New York, protected in Louisiana, but not in California. How does that make any sense? Why should it make sense for our children? Life is life. There's nothing more basic than that. It's part of the lunacy of the left that there should be the right to kill children. I mean, it's not extreme to say that children should be protected. So I'm very happy that um, people rose up as they got together there, even in California, and they said, no, 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 we can't, uh, we can't change on a matter of fundamental principle like this. And uh, our friend Harmeet Dillon, RNC uh, committee member for California, was among those leading the charge against this proposed uh, change. The change she called a pale pastel and filtered version of party principles. I was just with Harmeet recently, and I want to thank her for this uh, success. Um, because you know, you, you know, you start turning away from pro-life, and you're gonna you're gonna discourage people who are pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, making phone calls, giving their 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 giving of everything they have because they're motivated. Pro-life is a strong motivator in 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 Republican voting, and has been for decades brothers and sisters, for decades. It's the, remember, it's the Democrats who they are the extremists on this issue. But one thing, there was one quote here from um, uh, somebody coming out of the LGBTQ uh, group within the Republican Party. He said, um, he said, they, okay, those who, like me, like Harmeet, want to keep the, keep the pro-life commitment strong. He says, they want to fight about battles that the Supreme Court and the legislator have already fought. Wrong idea in regard to abortion, let me tell you why. You look at what the Supreme Court said most recently on abortion, they said fight. They didn't say we've settled the fight. You read the Dobbs decision that reversed Roe v. Wade, it's the opposite of settling the fight. What the court said is we made a mistake when we thought we settled it in Roe and Casey. Roe and Casey tried to impose an abortion policy on the nation, coming from where? Not from the people in their elected representatives, but from nine justices on the court. Not even nine, because those were not unanimous decisions. Roe was 7-2, Casey was 5-4. But a handful of people. 
cannot set abortion policy for the United States. What the Dobbs decision said was, this issue is too big, too complex, too many different opinions of deeply held beliefs and convictions, passions and emotions. We've got to let the people battle it out through the legislative process. So don't come along and say, okay, now we've got to drop the abortion issue or we've got to drop our commitment to pro-life because it's something the court has already settled. The court did not settle it. The court said we the people have to settle it which means that the pro-life voices, like the voice of the Republican Party, which is strongly committed to pro-life, need to be heard now more than ever. So let's not, get it, let's not miss the boat here. Let's not miss the boat. This is not a political liability. It's a winning issue, and we've got to fight on it. And the way we fight is to make it clear that it's the Democrats or the extremists that the choice before America is you want more abortion? Well, then go with the Democrats. You want less abortion? You go with the Republicans. Now, where the exact line is going to be drawn, hey, listen, let's work that out once we have a new Congress in 2025. We don't know how, what the Congress is going to be like at this point in time. We're going to make it as conservative as possible. We're going to make it as pro-life as possible. But don't pretend to have the answer now. The point is you want more abortion or you want less abortion? And then the bottom line, too, is that we're the compassionate ones. We're the ones helping the women day by day who feel they have to have an abortion. We're giving them alternatives, and we're healing the wounds that follow abortion, wounds that the Democrats don't even want to admit. All right, those are my thoughts. Let's go back into prayer here for America. Father, thank you for life. Lord, if we, if we can't commit ourselves to protecting our children. Who are we? Who are we? Thank you for the commitment of so many Americans to protect babies that are the most vulnerable people of all. Thank you, Lord, for as we've listened to the things going on in our country right now, we pray for the, the members of the House of Representatives. Uh, Lord, they are men and women of so many of them of deep conviction, deep passion, deep faith. And Lord, there are disagreements. There are always going to be disagreements. But thank you that we can use a process that's laid out to us under the law, laid out to us in the Constitution. And, and help us, Lord, to exercise the options that we have when we feel they're necessary. Help, your, help our fellow citizens understand better what is going on right now and in the process, Lord, of choosing a new speaker, we invoke the Holy Spirit. Wisdom and discernment. We invoke the Holy Spirit on our fellow citizens. Let them let their voices be heard. We want a conservative speaker of the house. Give it to us, Lord, as your gift. This is a turbulent time in America. Give us the right leadership. And bless all those who have led in so many different positions in the past. It's not easy. And we appreciate, Lord God, the sacrifice that people make <clears throat> to fill these positions and to do this work. We ask you, Lord, to continue to bless the voters as they discern the 2024 elections and also the 2023 elections that are going on right now. Pennsylvania Supreme Court, Virginia legislature and various other states. 
Mississippi, Louisiana, New Jersey, Kentucky. <clears throat> we ask your blessing, Lord, on, uh, on all that is going on. And we ask your blessing on the needs that we all have as individuals and as families. Answer our prayers. Grant our petitions. And we pray now in the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, it's a joy to be with you. Thanks for uh, watching and spread the word about this program. Not everybody knows about it, but I'm sure we can, we can double our audience if all of you will bring, bring at least one more person to watch tomorrow night where we'll have more to say, more to celebrate, more to pray about. God bless your commitment. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. At FR Frank Pavone. We will see you there and we will see you here tomorrow. Hi, this is Dr. Teresa Burke, founder of Rachel's Vineyard and pastoral associate of Priest for Life. As a teenager, I watched the video The Hard Truth. Never in my life had I been so convinced that abortion was truly an act of violence and horror. The images cut through the rhetoric of choice and it obliterated the euphemisms that protect us from realizing what abortion is all about. They can be quite disturbing to many moms, dads, and other relatives who have suffered the loss of a little one to abortion. However, keep in mind that the sight of a pregnant woman or an ultrasound or even the cry of a newborn can also trigger painful memories related to abortion. We want to protect women who've been victims of abortion. And we also want to prevent other women from becoming one of these sad statistics and also protect her child from this concealed violence. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.